like a small boat on the ocean sending big waves into motion like how a single word welcome whiteman warriors to practicing the pillars podcast where every airman is a leader when you lead yourself first others will line up to follow I'm Chaplain Bailey, and we are joined by some incredible people, and we are making explosions today on Practicing the Pillars. We are dancing to Katy Perry today in the Spirit Conference Room. No, not the Spirit Conference Room. Well, it's not Katy Perry. It's not Katy Perry. Who is that? Jen. Rachel Platt. Really? I don't even know what else she sings. She's so popular, I don't know who she is. <laughs> but I know her voice. You know, and it's cool that we talk about uh, people who have a voice and, uh, and, and those people that do things that... A lot of us don't see, aren't aware of, uh, but they have a voice and they have a strong voice. And we're joined by one of those folks today, uh, Mrs. Jen Staley, who is the director of the Youth Center. She is also married to a special agent in the Air Force Office of Special Investigations. Uh, and she's a mom of two little ones. Uh, right now, uh, Jen's husband is deployed, not deployed, but uh, on a remote tour. Uh, separated from uh, his family, and uh, we're here to talk to Jen this morning. Jen, welcome to Practicing the Pillars podcast. Thank you. Welcome. I appreciate you guys having me here today. I'm also joined by the incomparable Task Force True North coordinator, Ms. Morgan Hildebrand. Good morning, Morgan. Good morning. How are you? I'm making explosions. There I'm you go. super excited. Uh, what was the name of that song? Rachel Planton. What else does she sing? Not a clue. That's it, yeah. But it's a good song. It is a good song. My daughter and I sing that song. We play it, uh, and we, like, jam out to it and dance and everything. Uh, so it's a good song. It's a, it, And really, it's about it's about gratitude uh, mm-hmm. for, for stations in life and, uh, and bringing your strengths uh, to your everyday life. Absolutely. So we got somebody here who's going to share some really awesome stuff uh, about that, uh, Miss Jen Staley. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Jen. So, um, as you had said, I am the youth director over here at the Youth Center on Whiteman. Um, I have two kids, uh, 10 and 7, that go to Whiteman Elementary. Um, We have been here since May of 2014, so by the time we leave in February of 2020, it'll be about six years for me and the kids. Wow, six years at Whiteman. That's uh, That's a long time. Where were you before? We were at Shaw Air Force Base for five years. All right, so you listed in uh, your kind of intro, you're the, the youth director mm-hmm. uh, at the CDC? Youth Center. At the Youth Center, I apologize. And and your spouse is gone right now. So how long has he been gone? Um, well, a year and a half, total of two years is what it'll be when he gets back in February. Wow. And when you guys, when you guys met, was he an active duty member? No, actually, we met in college. Um, and then I took a job in North Carolina teaching, and he followed me, and that is where he decided to go ahead and enlist and start the whole Air Force career process. Wow. So were you guys married when he started in the Air Force? Yes. So you were already married, and when you got married, you didn't really sign up 
to do the Air Force thing or nope, to be separated. That was not planned. <laughs> that was not a part of the plan. So what did that conversation look like? I, I pretty much told him I'd support him in whatever he wanted to do. He supported me and moved to North Carolina. Um, while in North Carolina teaching, he went to basic and a tech school, and then we got orders to Shaw Air Force Base. So thankfully it was only a few hours down the road, but I told him I would follow him and do whatever I had to do. Wow. So I, what I'm hearing is that he gave you like a couple of years to teach. And then you said, as a result, I'll give you 20 in the Air Force. <laughs> pretty much. Like, wow, man, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good deal. Uh, you know, that's true of so many um, active duty spouses uh, that you guys um, sometimes don't even know what you're signing up for uh, when you sign up to be in a relationship with an active duty member. And sometimes you're not even, Air Force isn't even in, in the uh, frame when you guys get together and then all of a sudden uh, the military becomes a, a part of the picture and, and it becomes a really big part of a picture because it defines so much of uh, of where you go and what you do and what your community is and what sacrifice looks like. Um, and I wonder if you might be able to speak a little bit to that uh, from the perspective of a spouse. Uh, what does it look like uh, to, to support? Um, and by the way, thank you. Um, all of us need to say that more to our spouses. Uh, but what does it look like to make these kinds of sacrifices uh, for an active duty member uh, on a on a day-to-day basis? So I know that um, when I decided to support him and follow him that I could teach anywhere. Um, so I just said, okay, you do what you need to do. I'll be there 100% behind you. Um, but it just it, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy. you got to kind of get used to everything that's going on and especially in his career field um I mean he cross-trained into OSI so he didn't start off he was security forces prior so even going into that (laughs) even going into that career field there was a lot that I didn't know and couldn't know and even now as an OSI agent's um wife there's a lot that I'm not I don't get that information so I just kind of have to deal with what he does give me and figure out how to take care of the family, how to take care of the house and let him do his job so he can come back to us. So, so that alone seems like it's, it'd be a big challenge. Um, you know that your spouse has to be gone for um, sometimes 12, 14, 16 hours at a time uh, and, and right now gone for even longer than that. Uh, and you don't necessarily know what they're doing or where they are even, uh, but you, but you, believe that not only your spouse is um, out there doing a good thing, but the people that uh, that are sending him out to do the, the work that he's doing um, have his best interest in mind. Yes. That, that takes that takes a lot of a lot of trust. Uh, so you've got two kids mm-hmm. and right now uh, you're separated from your husband. Correct. For how long? It was two years total. Why? Um, I feel like I get a lot of, when I tell people, oh, he's in Guam for two years. They're like, and you're not there? I'm like, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's my first, my first question. <laughs> um, so it really, we knew we, we were here at Whiteman. We knew orders were dropping sometime soon. And then actually, I think I was with Morgan the day we found out. And he called me and said, we're PCSing to Anderson Air Force Base. And I said, you're PCSing to I said, what? <laughs> he said, yes, Anderson Air Force Base Guam. I was, I mean, it was a shock. I think we were out having a girls' day shopping, and I was just like, this can't be real. Um, for one, we are not beach and hot weather people. 
like we Guam is not even on our list of possibilities. We never thought it would be somewhere we wanted to go um, or where we had to go. But, um, and it, plus it was a short notice. He only had three months before he had a report. So it was one of those things where it was like, oh my God, October, November, we got to get things situated. So long conversations, you know, he involved me in the whole thing. We kind of went back and forth. Um, our original decision was to join him after school was over. We were going to keep the kids in school so they could finish the school year and then move over the summer. Um, then we had more conversations, and I found out that the youth director position at the youth center was opened and that I had a good chance of getting into that position. So it would have been a promotion for me. And he's also kind of at this point looking at my career and what kind of possibilities I have job-wise in Guam, and things aren't looking good. So we really had to make that tough decision and figure out what kind of support system I would have there versus what kind of support system I have here. And the kids at the age they are, this would be the time where they would actually remember this PCS, and which it would be good for them um, to move and see this type of environment. We just, at the time, it just didn't, didn't go well. We were just not sure really what we wanted to do. And I think probably a month before he had to leave, we decided we were just going to stay here. Um, I hadn't found out about my promotion yet. However, we knew it was hopefully coming. So we were sitting on pins and needles there for a little bit. And I did find out that I got the promotion the week he left. Wow. So it kind of congratulations. Tied Thank you. <laughs> it kind of tied everything together and made it seem like we made that good choice. Um, we also knew that his time in Guam would require him to travel a lot. So there were times where he wasn't even going to be on the island. So that was another decision-making point that helped us along the way. But we have a good support system here. Um, our families are eight hours away. So a lot of that played into why we decided to stay back here. And plus it was going to be two years if he went by himself or three years if we went together. So. Okay. <laughs> So I hear you saying it's a good, it's the good choice, uh, but the good choice involves a lot yeah. of work and a lot of commitment and a, a lot of just heartache of being separated from, uh, from your person. Uh, so, so explain to me how, how you're framing um, this as a good choice, even though it means you're, you've got a harder job, more responsibility professionally. Uh, there's more strain on your relationship because you're separated. Uh, and, oh, by the way, you're also playing the part of mom and dad for not a six-month deployment, but a two-year assignment. And and yet you're sitting here cr across from me saying, good decision. And it was a good decision at the beginning. <laughs> oh, man. If you ask me if I was to look at all everything we made, all the decisions we made, this would probably be one where I'd be like, nope. We're going to go with you. Um, okay. I mean, because it, it's been tough. It has not been easy. Um, especially that first six months, we knew he was going to be coming back here to Whiteman a couple times um, just to do work-type trips. So they were going to be quick trips. We knew they weren't personal. He wasn't taking leave. He was coming back here. And I think three of them got canceled. Oh, so wow. And it would be pretty much where he was packing up, heading to the airport, and he got a phone call saying, nope, sorry, we don't need you. So that happened three times in the first six months. And finally, the first Where time. Where you thought you were going to see him. Exactly. Yes. And it just didn't work. And exactly. Man, that's Yeah. So that was really a letdown. So it was 
so through this whole process, we haven't even told the kids. Like anytime he comes home, I, I don't tell the kids because I don't want them to go through what I went through, the disappointment of knowing that we were going to see him and then less yeah. than 24 hours before it being canceled. So um, the first time he got to come home was in July, which he actually came on leave and came home. So um, we knew he was coming home for sure then. The um, first time you saw him was this past July. Well, July of 2018, okay. yeah. Okay. Um, so it was about five and a half, six months from when he had left. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, I was like, okay, we made it through a quarter of this. You know, it's kind of like a deployment. He had done two deployments in the past as a security forces member. So it was like, okay, one deployment down. we got three more to go, and mm-hmm. we'll be back together. Um, but it's almost like you're together for two weeks. And then you got to start all over again. So I think that's, I didn't realize how hard that that's was. That's a roller be. coaster, right? Yes. You get back and you feel like, okay, because I did this on a remote tour and, and we do a mid tour and you come home and you've been gone for a long time and you feel like, okay, I'm back. And there's all that anticipation of getting back and reconnecting. But what you don't, what you don't consider is that I'm going to have to leave again mm-hmm. and all that goodbye and oh, yeah. all that all those tears and those hugs and all that stuff is going to happen again. And, and, and now it's happening and you know what the next period of time is going to be like where your spouse is going to be gone. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost, it's almost like it's, it's doubly hard to say goodbye again. Yeah. Cause we really didn't know. Um, again, there was talk about him coming back here for a couple of things, but we didn't know anything for sure. So at this point we knew he was going to try coming home for Christmas on leave. So we knew we had another six months. Um, he did get to come home in October. Um, so he came home for a, about a week in October and then left again and then was back at Christmas with us. So it, it's, it's been interesting. And then trying to juggle everything in between there. Um, the kids are involved in baseball, soccer, um, basketball. We're doing flag football and soccer again right now. And then they have Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. So And then on top of that, all the school stuff and um, all the school programs and everything like that, that make it really difficult, especially on him more than me. Sometimes I feel like though too, because he misses out on all that and doesn't get to see it. I try to record it and send him pictures as much as possible, but you know, as much as it, it's difficult on me. I also know it's very difficult on him because at least I have the kids and I have some of the support system here where it's just him there. He doesn't have us and he doesn't have everything else. And and the work you do as a, a special agent in the Office of Special Investigations isn't always the most encouraging kind of work. It is not. White, Whiteman was a tough assignment um, for him, and I know that's why we were really excited. We were like, okay, we're going to be we're here for four years. We're going to get getting orders. And then when they dropped that bomb, that was, I think, the most difficult thing was knowing that he was just going three, 4,000 miles away, whatever it is, um, so that – I don't think he was expecting that. That was kind of just like a huge bomb dropped on all of us. Now, in the middle of all of this, when he does come home for a trip, a pretty significant event happened that impacted your lives personally. Mm-hmm. In October. Yeah, and um, he lost a friend. Yeah, so when he came home in October... It was actually for work, um, and I'm not going to get into the details and everything, but um, we did lose a friend, 
and thankfully, um, the office here really helped him out. And then even his office in Guam was amazing. Um, they actually let him stay and we got to go with the family and, um, do all the funeral and, um, the viewings and all that. So we got to be with the family and thankfully, um, I was able to be there with him. So that, I think that made it easier on both of us that we were together. Um, but it's just things like that. And then knowing that I had to leave him in the airport to go and we had to go separate ways. I had to come back to Whiteman and then he had to go to Guam. So that was probably the hardest thing of all this. Um, there were people, leadership and everything, that were trying to help us out and make it work. But um, to find out, you know, if he could come back here or, or different options for us. But in the end, we decided that, you know, we just wanted to keep doing what we were doing. So, um, but with that, and something I've always told him is, I'm going to keep checking on you. Um, just because knowing that he was going back there, and he did have a support system of his office and his leadership there. However, just knowing that I wasn't there to see him on a daily basis and to kind of see how he was doing, um, that was very, very difficult. So I, and I told him, and every day I still say, hey, are you okay? You know, anything you need to talk about? Um, I don't seem to do it as much anymore just because I don't want him to get upset with me constantly asking. But he knows that I will ask, if, especially if he's quiet or something for a couple of days or if he just doesn't seem like himself or I know he's really overwhelmed at work. I'll just kind of be like, hey, everything okay? Um, but we have that good open communication. And I, I feel like this whole process, even though it's, we thought it was good in the beginning and we've had some hard times throughout it, I feel like that it's really made us each grow individually and as a couple and as a family. So I think overall it's, on overall at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be a positive thing because I think it's going to bring us closer together once he is back home. Yeah, it's it's um, it's funny because you say good. We made a good decision in the moment, and then you start talking about yeah. it, and you're like, "I said I thought it was good when we started, but then it turned out to be really hard." But then, as I'm looking at the as I'm looking at the end, I see that it's going to be positive, but it's going to be, but it's going to be positive in a completely different way than I ever expected, mm-hmm. right? Like. Like you say, we didn't we didn't want to do the beach, which that makes no sense to me at all, right? Totally um, support that. Like <laughs> we don't want to do the beach. It's going to be good because <laughs> we don't have to go to the beach. Like that, that logic just doesn't work. But but you say it's going to be good because there's going to be this. You know, we don't have to uh, we don't have to take our kids to this place and we don't have to do these things and and all of those things end up not at all being the reason why it turns out to be a good thing those actually end up not really being factors or maybe those things end up being um, things that would be like, you know what, actually maybe being at the beach wouldn't be so bad and, and we could be together and that would be better. Um, but, but what ends up turning this into a positive is, is actually some of the, some of the difficulties that you've experienced. Um, these difficulties end up being uh the catalyst for some real growth and some real depth to your relationship. Is that, is that fair to say? Yep. I totally agree. Um, and even he made the comment to me about a few weeks ago, he said, you know what? He's, I think you and I talk more now than we ever have. Um, mm. because we'll, we'll text. I mean, as 
the time difference throws us off. That's the big thing is a time difference right now. But when he's um, at work, he'll send me messages when he can. I'll send him messages even though I'm sleeping. And then during those short couple hours where we are both awake at the same time, we'll message back and forth as much as we can. And he made, he said, I think we talk more now than what we did even when we were home. Because, you know, when you're at work and you're living together, you're in the same household, yeah, you'll go home and have our conversations at night, but you don't talk as much during the day when you're both at work. But now, right. I mean, I, I do that. I send them messages as much as I can, or if something's happening, I think of something, I'm sending them messages. So I think that's... Yeah, that place communication's key in this whole thing. Yeah, and nobody would ever nobody would ever say that they desire difficulty in their life. Nobody would ever like wake up in the morning and say, I'm ready for difficulty today. I'm looking forward to today's hardship. But there's a certain sense in which without those hardships, without those difficulties, we we would never really be able to to tap into some of the real depth and strength uh, of, of ourselves and also of our relationships. Nobody would ever say, uh, I'm super excited about being separated from my spouse for two years. Well, I mean, maybe some people would say that, but <laughs> then they need to come and do some counseling or something, right? Like come talk to the chaplain. Uh, nobody would ever, you know, get excited about being separated from the person that they love, but, but that difficulty actually ends up being a conduit for improved communication. Like, bah, mind blown, right? You might even say it's like a, a desirable difficulty. It, it's, it's desirable because that, that, dis that difficulty or that disadvantage has the potential of really growing you in ways that, that you, wouldn't otherwise, you wouldn't otherwise grow in because uh, you're just kind of taking everything for granted before that happens, right? You never know you love it till you let it go. He and then you let it go. Right? Right? You know that song? Right. <laughs> I mean that's what it is, right? Like you know, like, Definitely. oh man. This is so so what sort of things do you do uh to maintain your own sort of cage? How do you stay how do you stay focused and uh, what sort of things do you do to stay uh to stay sane, managing? We've got another single mom in the room. Um what do you what do you do uh to to stay healthy? Um, work. I've always worked. I'm not the stay-at-home mom type of person. Um, I've enjoyed working. I like being able to go to work. Yes, it can be stressful because I deal with kids all day at work, too, um, especially Oh, I didn't summer. even make that connection. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Kids and then kids. Yep. Yeah, she especially deserves, like, a special <laughs> award. Oh, my goodness. Um, summer's crazy, but now that they're back in school, it's a little bit easier. But, um, so I get some of that quiet time at work, which is nice. Um, but really the main thing I've been doing now, and it's just been making me feel better is just getting out and getting some time to myself. Um, so I'll, either in the morning or in the evening, I'll go for a walk, I'll go for a run, get a couple miles in. And then it really just kind of helps me, clears my mind, gives me time to think and a little bit of downtime really. Um, where I don't have to worry about the kids, you know, they're good, they're taken care of. Um, we're not running around to different sports or to school events. So um, that's probably my biggest thing. Um, another thing is just sometimes I need a good cry. I'm an emotional person. Um, my husband, like, and every time I have to tell him bye, he's like, it'll be fine, you know, I'll see you soon. Just think, you know, we're less and less time is, you know, is left and He's like, we only got a couple months left. And I said, I know, but it's always hard to say goodbye. But I'm I'm a crier. So um, 
sometimes just going to my room, shutting the door and, you know, just having a five, 10 minutes, just crying. And, and the kids are always like, are you okay? I'm like, yes, mom just needs a, needs a minute. Um, but they're great too. Um, they're, um, so can I just interrupt you for a second? I mean, that, that blows my mind, right? I just need, I just need to go and cry. Right. So I'm like, I don't cry. I never cry. Um, but, and sometimes I think that that's because maybe I'm not like as in touch with my emotions as, uh, or I should, could be right. I mean, do you feel like, like that, that you are in touch with your emotional, uh, well-being and that, you know, when you need to go just have a dump and then, I mean, do you feel like that's a sign to me, that sounds like a, a sign of being in touch with your emotional, uh, well-being, like saying, I know I need to go and take 10 minutes. Um, do you think it is, or do, do you uh, think of it For the most part, yeah. Usually it's when I seem to get really overwhelmed, like when I have had like a super long day at work and there's just so much going on with the kids and, and maybe even the kids are fighting with each other, you know, five minutes before that. And I'm just like, I'm going to go lock myself in my room for five, ten minutes, and I just need a little bit of downtime. And sometimes it's a, you know, quick little cry, and sometimes I'm like, I'm just going to go to bed. Like, we're I'm done for the day. Um doesn't happen very often but sometimes I just feel like I I need it I just I don't have um I said I shouldn't say I don't have I do have a great support system here um but sometimes I don't have that person at home you know like he's not coming home so I can't sit here and talk to him about it so I mean I can talk to him as much as I want over a text message or a phone message but that doesn't always solve it sometimes I just want to be held and I just you know and I don't have that so I guess that cry is just kind of like okay cry it all out, get over with it, get up, you got kids, and you got life to move on with, um, so you just got to keep going. And that's actually healthy. Yeah, that's what, that's what I have it. people tell me. Yeah. People tell me, good cry is healthy occasionally. As a friend and someone who has, you know, I was there when you got the, when you got the phone call, and it was huge, and I've watched you over the past 18 months uh, to two years go through so many things with your family, different struggles there, um, things that have impacted you guys with friends, um, how you are as a mother, how you are as a professional, how you are as a friend. You're modest when you say like, oh, well, I'm a crier and, and so I take this time and I go do that. One of the things for, for what we do, Graham, I think you're, Jen, you're a model of so many important things. What you're going through is not easy not easy on the surface if you didn't have all the extras but you have all the extras plus and I do have a good support friend here she's she's great she even gets out in the mornings and she'll go and walk with me against Um, my better judgment sometimes we just need date or girl days and she'll be like okay come on let's go or she'll even be like come on we're going to dinner we're going to take the kids or she'll just take my kids so it's amazing to have people like Morgan and um, some other friends from the youth center and um from the other, the spouses club and thing like that, that really kind of help and get me out there and get me doing things so I'm not just sitting at home. But Jen will raise her hand, which I always applaud. Yeah. Because she will will talk and, you, you know, she's like, I'm taking a mental health appointment. You know, if, if you need to go out to your car and take a minute because stress has become overwhelming at work, or if you're home and you send a text message you always reach out to your family too, which is amazing. Um, and her family makes connections with her friends and they check on her through 
for friends, right? The other night we were at a birthday party and she had been, there was no reception in the building we were at. And so they were looking for her because they were worried. She had been off comms for a while and they check on each other so much that they started messaging me. Yeah, my mom was messaging Morgan. Have you seen Jennifer? And it's just, <laughs> you know, you, you think about that, but it's uh, at the time, like, I think, you know, we were laughing about it, like, oh, it's been 30, 45 minutes. But because of, you know, the unique dynamic that you guys have with him being gone and all of the stuff that you're carrying, you have built the support system that is there because we know that there are days where it's harder than it is normally. And so everybody is constantly part of that. You're not ever alone. And you do the big work of asking for that. Most days, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But that's an important thing. On the days you can't, we're already there for you. Exactly, exactly. So uh, I imagine that, that every single day you wake up, there is a list of must-dos for the day, right? And and some of those must-dos are reoccurring must-dos. Every day there are certain goals and certain objectives that need to be met, and those uh, those goals and objectives that need to be met, they begin to form certain habits uh, in you because you know that in order to get X done, I have to do Y. X has to be done every single day. Therefore, Y must be accomplished every day, and it has to happen in this order. And so there's all these daily habits that are completely uh, determined by the goals and the, and the outcomes that need to happen that day. Now, it's interesting because a lot of us have lots and lots of habits that really do end up forming because of the goals and the must-dos that are in front of us every single day. Um, and, and when I'm listening to you talk, I'm thinking to myself, those, those goals every day by yourself, trying to stay connected, trying to stay healthy, trying to stay whole, trying to stay uh, uh, um, relevant with your kids and relevant professionally and, and trying to stay competent with your kids, and prof- all of that stuff is super overwhelming. Um, and, I, and I heard you talk about your your walk right and and your walk or your run is something that is a habit uh, but it's not a goals based habit it's not a it's not a habit that is uh, that is uh, a part of your life because it is there to meet an outcome or or accomplish a task or an objective it's it's really uh, I think you said you just go and you clear your head and you think and you free yourself up. What I, I've heard that described before, not as a as a goals based habit, uh, but an identity habit. Uh, it's a habit that that you have for yourself to maintain your identity and live into your values, which then makes all of these other sort of outcome based habits a little bit more manageable. Because you're actually, no kidding, caring for yourself. Is that fair to say that that that's an identity habit? Yes, I think so. Um, And I'll be the first to tell you, I hate to run. I hate running. (laughs) But just getting out there and getting that little bit of time to myself, I mean, yeah, it makes me feel better about myself physically, you know, um, and mentally it just kind of clears my head. And, yeah, just kind of, I don't have to do it. I mean, I could find something else to do, but it's just nice to get out there and just to do something for myself and be like, okay, I'm giving myself, you know, 45 minutes every day. Mm -hmm. 
go do a couple miles. And like I said, some days I'll just walk and some days I'll run even though I hate it. But <laughs> but it's such a strength of yours that you are assertive in your own life and in your friends and in your marriage and at work that you go, I've got to take this minute for me. Because when we started walking together, I said, well, do you want me to just pick you up in the morning? I've got to drive on the base anyway. And she said, no, that's my time. I'm going to run and meet you where we're going to walk. And it's, we're doing something because we both enjoy being there for one another. And so I always appreciate that from you. But you're also very assertive in your friendships and in your relationships in general where you go, like, this is mine. Like, this space here belongs to me. Yeah, and I've and I've tried taking my daughter out with me, and sometimes I'm like, nope, that just mm-hmm. doesn't work. Because she wants to do her own thing. She's not even focused on it. I'm like, no, I just need the me time, mm-hmm. a little bit of me time. Yeah. So what would you – what would you want to say to a spouse um, that is that is, you know, going through uh, the first deployment where their where their uh, active duty member is away, or they're going through their first remote tour, or maybe they're just experiencing the military for the first time? Um, what would you What would you want to tell them in terms of how they can? Uh, maintain their own identity and maintain their own uh their own growth and also uh, maintain the strength and the health of their relationship with their person um as uh as a as a seasoned veteran military uh spouse and mom um the first thing would be just to take it one day at a time um do what you can and then you know each day and then you can add different things into there take it one day at a time um I'm really big about making lists, having everything on my calendar, so I know what to expect every day. Um, yes, there's sometimes there's curveballs that are thrown in there, but um, you just got to take it how it is and deal with what you can deal with and one day at a time. Um, communication is key, you know, whether it's with your family, your friends, your kids. Um, some days I feel like I don't communicate very well with my kids, so I'm trying to do better at that. Um, but I'm trying to also play two parents, you know, because there's – Dad gets involved, he'll talk to the kids, but sometimes there's only so much he can do or things will happen while he's sleeping and I'm not waking him up. So um, i got to kind of play the mom and the dad sometimes too. Um, but then, yeah, communicate as much as you can with your, your spouse. Just make sure they know how you're feeling. Um, and you also ask them how they're feeling because you got to think they're not around for any of this. At least you're here. You know, you kind of have a grounding. You have some friends. You have some family close by, but you got to look at where they're at. They don't have anything. So he's there by himself in an apartment by himself, you know. So that makes it, I think, even harder on him. And then um, really find your find a group, find your tribe, find your friends, you know. Find something. your tribe. <laughs> I, love I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, so you have people here to kind of, like Morgan said, keep you grounded. So, um, you know, I when we first got to Whiteman, I didn't get involved in the Spouses Club at Shaw, but when we came here, I was like, I'm going to try something new. I'm going to put myself out there. And I've done it for the past four years. It's amazing. Um, I've met a lot of amazing people through that um, group. And, you know, a lot of people PCS and move on. And I kind of feel like now I'm at that point with that group that there's a lot of new faces, a lot of new people. And I don't know as many people, so I'm kind of feeling like my time there is done, but I still want to be involved and still want to do what I can for them. Um, but however, just find your friends close by. You know, I, Morgan, I think we met 
just out of, I mean, we were both working. I was working at the med group. She was working at the bomb wing. We had conversed over emails and phone calls because I was setting stuff up for the bomb wing and helping um, my commander out. And it just kind of was a fluke thing. And she's like, let's go to lunch one day. And I mean, we clicked um, and we've been best friends ever since. So I, you know, so you just got to find those people that you click with and find things to keep you busy. But you said, so when you're talking about communication and he's gone and, and how much it's important that you check, check in with one another, what's the communication lesson then when he comes back to keep, to keep talking like, and that's one thing that, you know, I know is going to be a struggle with when he comes back and we're trying to reintegrate him into, you know, our household, um, because we're, the kids are used to it just being me. You know, they see me on a daily basis. So um, even with him coming home for two weeks, there's certain things that I kind of like, I back off. I let him take care of certain things. I'm just kind of like, oh, I'm going to come off to the side. But um, just keeping those lines of communication open, still talk as much as possible and just look back and be like, okay, we did all this in the two years you were gone. We can keep this going. Um, so just keep trying hard and open lines of communication and just be there for each other and do the best we can getting back together. But I'm excited. We have like five months left, so I'm ready for him to be home and ready for orders to come, fingers crossed, hopefully in the next month or two. Um, orders back to Whiteman? You're gonna go is to that Hawaii. what we were talking about? You're no. going to Hawaii next. <laughs> the beach is coming, <laughs> and this time you'll do it. So uh, why fight song? Why, why, uh, why is that the theme song? I, I think I know why. Um, but it's not about me. Well, I started, my daughter, I mean, I'm a country music girl, so um, normally I don't listen to that, but my daughter listens to it, and she one day she just kept playing it and playing it, and then um, I had her Pandora mix or something on my Pandora, and when I was running one day, it came on, and I was like, oh, I really like this song. It's high tempo. You know, it'll get me going. It kind of helps me run, and um, then when Morgan had asked the other day, she goes, hey, I need a song, and I'm like, thinking about some different songs. I'm like, you know what? That song's perfect. Like, I feel like through this all, all I have to do is just kind of fight through, make it through the day. Um, you know, even those those hard days. Um, the good days are easy. But, you know, sometimes you have those hard days and you just got to fight and push through and you can do it. So um, at the end of the day, there's light at the end of the tunnel. We'll get you back together soon. And that's just really what I'm looking forward to. So I love that song because um, it is about fighting. It's about fighting and grinding and uh, and and pushing and persevering. Uh, but the song has so much joy just in the way that it's the way that it's sung and the the music that's connected with it. That's why my Such daughter and I love it. Yeah, it's got it's got some beat, baby. Um, and and it's uh, it's a reminder, I think, uh, to fight with joy uh, and to embrace who you are. Uh, and to live strong in the world. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate it. White Memorials, fight! <laughs> <laughs>